Have you ever heard the phrase, feedback is a gift? Have you ever gotten some questionable feedback and wondered, where's the gift receipt? In this episode, we'll talk about how you can ensure you don't re-gift poor feedback to others, how you can assess the quality of the feedback you've been given, and go into some strategies you can implement to get the most out of the feedback you do receive. Welcome to another episode of the Progress Over Perfection Coaching Podcast with me, Patrick Dedrick, where we talk about career management and development by offering insight on how to build an intentionally balanced and purpose-filled career. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening into our first episode of 2024. Today is part two of this somewhat backward three-part series on the annual evaluation process. Last time, I talked about the actual evaluation and rating process, the exciting conclusion of the end of a year of work. We talked about how to go about self-evaluations and what you can expect when it comes to receiving an evaluation from your manager, as well as how to interpret ratings. Now we'll go into the feedback process that should have helped to inform parts of your evaluation and rating, or at the very least help you to understand what you did well and where you can try and improve for the next year. In our next and final episode, we'll go into the goal-setting process that you usually design at the beginning of a new year to help you chart your course for the next annual business cycle. So like I said, we're kind of going about these in reverse, but they are all very interconnected. Now, when it comes to feedback, as with the last episode, you can view it from both a personal perspective and a professional perspective. The personal perspective is the kind of feedback you might gather as you go about your daily life, and the more formal process is really tied to what an organization or professional process might include. In both cases, the underlying principles or thought processes really don't differ. The idea is that you should try and seek out those with whom you believe could offer you insight or perspective on you, your performance, or maybe a project you worked on. It can be anything, really. The thought behind this is that while we all inevitably have thoughts on how we performed or how we did, we're likely prone to blind spots and need the perspectives of others to truly understand if our intent had the impact we desired. And that's the real essence of feedback to bridge the gap between intention and impact so that in the future we can be more certain that where we place energy and effort actually yields results we're aiming for. That being said, there are two sides to feedback that I want to touch on. On the one hand, there's asking for feedback and then actually integrating that feedback to drive improvement, while on the other hand, there's giving meaningful feedback to actually help the person who reached out to you. In nearly all cases, except for maybe when it's treated as a strictly performative and superficial exercise, the intent of feedback should be to drive for improvement, either by reinforcing something positive or by helping to identify an opportunity for improvement. The actual impact of that feedback, however, largely depends on the dialogue that surrounds the feedback and how it's received and how it can be applied. So when asking for feedback, you can obviously always ask for open-ended feedback. For an example of this, you need to look no further than how I wrap up every episode of this podcast. I'm always asking for feedback. I'm interested in understanding more about what went well as far as content and delivery, and more importantly, where I can improve. The same kind of feedback can take the form of asking how a presentation went, or even how an email came across. Feedback doesn't always need to be part of a larger, more ceremonious process, but can be requested for anything that you may want to understand where you could have improved. The caution here being, you probably don't want to constantly ask for feedback. If for no other reason than if you're always asking for feedback, then you likely aren't leaving yourself much time or space to actually incorporate that feedback to drive that improvement. So if you do want to request feedback under less formal pretenses, 
Some advice I have is that it might be a good idea to give the person you're making the request of a little bit of a heads up so they can collect their thoughts and provide some meaningful insight. If put on the spot without much time to prepare thoughts, then there's a pretty good chance of running the risk of either getting subpar feedback or entirely inaccurate feedback that was given hastily. The way you can go about this could be something like setting up a one-on-one -on -one meeting with someone, but also giving them a heads up that in that invite, you're looking to get their feedback on something specific. Alternatively, you could always make a request through email, which does provide more time for thoughtful insight, but it does then lack the opportunity for immediate dialogue and the ability to ask for clarification if needed, at least in kind of that rapid conversational kind of way. So as you consider who to ask for feedback from, it's important to be selective and intentional. From the previous examples of more spontaneous feedback, you want to find someone who you're likely a little more familiar with and on terms with them where these kinds of requests are not out of the norm. That'll ensure that they're hopefully comfortable with providing you feedback. So I'll go a little bit more into this in a bit, but it's also very important to find feedback givers, which believe it or not, can technically be called feedbackers. I know it sounds like a word that my toddler would have made up, but Google assures me it's a real enough word. But you want to find feedbackers that are likely to give fair and balanced feedback. So while it might be tempting to request feedback from your best friend at work, you may run the risk of having such a close relationship with them that they don't truly give a fair assessment of where you have opportunities. It's probably not an intentional omission on their part, but because they may be so close to you, they may share some of the same blind spots that you have on your own performance and delivery. So this isn't always true though. And I can say that some of my go-to sources of feedback are with people who I consider to have the closest relationships at work. Uh, but those relationships are also based on an understanding that I want their honest feedback. And I trust that when they give the feedback, it's done so honestly and thoughtfully, and I don't, don't get defensive about it. So when assessing who you want to request feedback from, you might visit your team that you built in episode 21 not too long ago. Depending on the situation, you may want to ask your mentor or your sponsor for feedback if you're looking on how you might approach something like a big presentation in front of an audience of senior leaders where they might have some particular insight. However, if you're looking for some perspective on an email where you need to detail very specific data in order to convincingly drive home a point, you may want to ask one of your peers that knows the details and they can then give you constructive insight on whether or not your data is presented as persuasively as possible. So this brings us to the last point I want to make when it comes to requesting feedback. You should be specific and intentional about what you're actually trying to get feedback on and convey that to those that you might make feedback requests of. So it's not really enough to say, hey, how'd that email come across? Instead, it's much more effective to frame it up more along the lines of, hey, I'm trying to make sure my data presents an airtight case for why we need to prioritize this project. Can you take a look at this email and poke some holes in it? Where do I need to shore up some details to remove any doubt? This helps to not only make it easy for feedback to be framed, but also helps to set up the receipt of the feedback in a way that you can incorporate it moving forward. To carry along the gift metaphor, you can kind of think of this as building a thoughtful wish list that your feedbackers can shop from. Otherwise, you run the risk of getting something potentially random that you're going to want to return. So up to this point, a lot of focus has been on how uh, to think about more immediate feedback. But all these same principles extend to the longer term annual feedback process as well. 
Most organizations have a process managed through an HR system that helps to facilitate the sending of requests for feedback, as well as the collection of that feedback. So it's not only centrally collected, but then also available to your manager in the HR department for reference. So there's typically a default prompt when sending out feedback requests that asks uh, for what amounts to be what did they do well and what can they improve upon. Those are typically editable fields too, so here's where you can be more specific and intentional about what kind of feedback you're looking for. You can drop in specific references or context to each individual to help them out and get better odds of you getting feedback that you can actually work with that isn't just some boilerplate response. So more on that in a minute when I talk about giving feedback. So one thing you can also do here is to give your feedback or some context around what you've been trying to develop over the last year. So if you've been trying to improve on your ability to build relationships, you can let them know that that's what you've been working on. So then maybe they can try and focus their feedback around that. So this not only helps you to understand how you did in that, uh, trying to build that muscle, but it also provides some perspective to your manager or anybody else that could be reading this feedback as they think about evaluating you. So one final plug that I'll pass along from every HR business partner I've worked with is that these feedback systems are typically open year round and don't just need to be completed at the end of each year or when you get that automated prompt saying, hey, it's time to get some feedback. In fact, it's probably best if you do try to space out these kinds of requests throughout the year. Inevitably, there's going to be a traffic jam of feedback requests as year-end deadlines approach and that automated message goes out. So it isn't uncommon for a feedbacker to have a queue of 5, 10, 15 individuals to give feedback on, especially if they're higher up in an organization and people really want their insight. And through no fault of their own, feedback fatigue will set in and it's likely that the quality of feedback that comes across will degrade the further down the list they get as they're crunching through that giant list. So you can hedge that risk by submitting your feedback requests earlier in the year and off cadence from when everyone else is likely requesting feedback, especially if you're timing it around some important event that you actually want feedback on. So once you finish sending out your feedback requests, your job really isn't done. Well, technically it could be if you're just going through the motions of what your HR department or manager told you to do. But if you really want to embrace the process and use the feedback you get to improve, then you need to figure out how to put it to work. If you get well thought out feedback, then it should be pretty clear what others think you did well and what you need to improve on. This means you should feel pretty well reinforced about the behaviors or actions that served you well. You know what you can lean on moving forward to deliver effective results. This also then means you should be introduced to some new areas where you can focus energy moving forward. Hopefully, you're able to distinguish between what you need to improve on, which can be hard skills or maybe exposure to new experiences, as well as how you need to think about working differently. And this could be the quote-unquote soft, soft skills or the way that you conduct yourself that can magnify your impact or how you can apply those more technical skills. At best, this will give you a list of things that you can add to your development plan or goals for the following year, which we'll cover in our next episode. So the final point to make on what you can do with feedback you receive is to treat it as a dialogue. If you get feedback that seems unclear or maybe that you don't agree with, you can assess whether or not it's worth it to ask for clarification. So here's where the importance of selecting your feedbackers with care comes in. It may be beneficial to choose people that you also feel comfortable asking for clarification on their comments with to make sure that you not only understand the intent of their feedback, but also so that you can put it into action. For example, one year I requested feedback from someone that gave me some comments for improvement that I really didn't fully agree with. 
However, I valued their opinion and professional capacity. So instead of just brushing it off and treating it as throwaway comments, I set up some time with them to get some more details. It was a little awkward, but as it turns out, as we got into it, what they intended to convey wasn't what came across in their comments, at least not how I read it. So as we unpacked their feedback, I actually got some truly actionable details for how I could focus my energy over the next year to be more effective. So it doesn't mean that you always have to ask for more details when it comes to feedback, but that it is something that can help to ensure that you can best put the gifts you've been given to use. All right, we're going to shift gears a little bit now, and we're going to focus on the role of the feedback giver, or again, feedbacker. It's got to be my new favorite word. So not to make too much of a big deal about it or make it seem like something sacred, but if someone asks you for feedback, then you really have two options when it comes to fulfilling your role, assuming that you see your role as a feedbacker, as being able to give quality feedback that can be put to use by the requester to improve. You can either take the request seriously and try to provide them with thoughtful feedback that they can actually put into practice to improve. Or, though it sounds like a somewhat callous cop-out, you can opt out and decline. And no matter how that sounds, to decline a feedback request, there are a couple of entirely legitimate reasons to do so that actually end up being a favor to the requester. It could be you maybe just don't interact with them all that much, and you may not have had a chance to gather significant insight that can help them to improve. Or maybe you've been inundated with feedback requests that just don't have time and don't have time to craft a thoughtful response that would be productive. In either of those cases, if you were to try and provide feedback, odds are it would be superficial or rushed or both and likely not be a practical use. It could even be confusing for them. So in other words, if the core intent of feedback is to help someone improve, then either of those situations would fail to deliver on that impact. Now, I've been in cases like this before where I really didn't have a good sample of interaction to draw meaningful feedback from, and where I waited until the last minute in the year-end review process and then got flooded with feedback requests and simply didn't have time to invest uh, to provide quality feedback to everybody. So in both of those situations, as hard as it was and as counter as it seemed to the intent of giving feedback, I politely declined and told the requesters that I wouldn't be able to give them feedback, at least not through this medium. The option that I countered with then was to say that I wasn't going to give the formal written feedback, but I did open the door to sitting down with them for a conversation where we could talk through things to see if there was some feedback that we could synthesize to eventually give that to them so that they could improve. So this may not have technically met the mark for the HR-mandated process of written feedback, it did fulfill the spirit of the feedback request and focused on the idea of having a positive impact on their future performance. So now that that's out of the way, we can assume that you're now in a situation where it makes sense for you to provide feedback and you have the time and space to do so effectively. So here are some tips I'd suggest employing to align the impact of your feedback to the intent. And let's be honest, in this day and age, no set of tips would be complete without a clever naming convention, mnemonic, or play on words. So I present to you my STAR guidelines for providing feedback, not to be confused with the other STAR method I talked about in our episode on interview tips. In this case, STAR stands for specific, timely, actionable, and relevant. For specific, this really just means be as specific as possible to clearly illustrate the feedback you're trying to deliver. This should try and help the receiver to understand where you're coming from 
as well as some context so that they can actually put it to use. Ultimately, you should be reasonable in your level of specificity. It probably doesn't make sense to go to the level of detail of saying something like, on the meeting that we were in on Friday, December 15th, 2023 at 9.30 a.m., what might be more helpful would to be something like in our weekly project meetings or during the big presentation on the XYZ product launch, here's the feedback I have. Again, you're really just trying to make sure that the specific context is well understood. It doesn't need to be down to the minute. Next is timely. So try to tie your feedback to examples that are somewhat recent. Those are going to be the easiest for them to understand and likely the ones that you're most able to give good or quality feedback on. Again, this should be pretty top of mind, so you should be able to provide pretty good feedback. Now, if this is feedback at the end of the year, it's probably not a good idea to have your only example for this feedback be from January 1st. Now, it might be the case that you do have a good example from January 1st, but ultimately, good feedback draws more on trends rather than specific instances. So you want to have trends that you're trying to illustrate, but illustrate those trends through specific instances. So again, totally okay to give a January 1st example, so long as it isn't the only example at a year-end process. So this can also apply to the timeliness of giving unprompted feedback. It's usually best to give feedback about something specific when the instance is still fresh in their mind. So if it's about a presentation that maybe somebody gave and they repeatedly use words like, um, maybe don't tell them right after they finish presenting. But if you do want to give that feedback and think that they could benefit from it, you could do it before too much time has passed so they can clearly understand the specific context. Next is actionable. So focus your feedback on something that they can actually do something about. So these can be things within their control where their decisions and choices that they make can actually have an impact on a particular outcome. So, for example, if you're giving feedback to someone in sales at the end of 2020, say, it wouldn't really be actionable feedback to say something like, hey, next time, can you predict how a global pandemic is going to impact your sales figures? You can still talk about that with actionable feedback, but instead maybe try something like, hey, can you provide more insight into the assumptions that make up your sales estimates? Even with regards to a global pandemic, they're not going to get it right necessarily. They can't improve on that, but you're asking for something that they have control over, which are insight on their assumptions. So finally is relevant. So if they have something they've asked for feedback on, try to focus on that. They've told you what is relevant and that's perfect. You should also try and relate it to something that makes sense for the context of your relationship with them. So if you're giving feedback to that same coworker on sales, maybe try to focus feedback on your interactions with them or how their work might impact you. Like, hey, can you provide your insights into uh, the assumptions for your sales estimates because here's what I do with it and here's how it would be useful to me. So to counter that, some non-relevant feedback might be something along the lines of letting them know that they should clearly indicate that their potluck dessert includes peanuts and other allergens. Now, while it's still potentially good feedback and good office manners, it isn't really the kind of feedback that belongs in this kind of format or is going to help them to improve on their goals and objectives. So really, this all gets back to if they've told you that they want feedback on something, hone in on that and don't necessarily try an ad lib. Now, the goal of these tips is to help streamline the feedback process. 
it'll still take some time to craft some meaningful feedback, even using this framework. But you don't need to write a novel or spend hours perfectly illustrating the examples you're drawing from to point them towards improvement opportunities. That being said, possibly the most valuable aspect of feedback that you can provide is the opening up for follow-up conversations. Maybe they have questions about how you framed up some feedback, or they need some clarification exact on exactly what you meant to say uh, so they can put it to use. Now, unless you're willing to have that conversation and engage in the dialogue without getting defensive about what you said or how you said it, then you might be best served by heeding the advice from a bit ago and just abstain from the process altogether. Remember, when someone asks you for feedback, it isn't about you. This is them trying to genuinely get better at something. So if you aren't willing to engage in that process and see it through to the end, then this might sound harsh, but why bother? Feedback isn't about the exchange of asking and responding, but about helping someone make noticeable and meaningful progress. So if you're going to engage, you should probably sign up for seeing it through to that, that conclusion. Now, the final thing I'll say about giving feedback is that just like giving a gift, at least how I was taught giving a gift should be, is that the act of giving it should be selfless and less about making sure that the recipient puts to use the gifts you've given as you intended it to be used and more about what it means to them. You shouldn't be jaded if someone doesn't put to use the feedback you gave them or doesn't immediately correct some behavior you called out in your feedback. If you're really interested in helping them to improve, maybe get curious about that juxtaposition of your feedback and their continued unadjusted behavior. Or, if you notice that someone didn't take to heart or put into action feedback you gave them before, and then they ask you for feedback again, before starting up that process again, maybe ask them where they may be, or where there may be a disconnect. Again, get curious. If through talking with them you feel as though your feedback may be an exercise without fruitful benefit, it's entirely within your right to politely decline, even if it is a little awkward. And really, it is easier said than done, so the odds are you may have to weigh the choice for yourself if you want to stand up for your time and effort and deal with a potentially awkward conversation. And there you have it, giving and receiving feedback as well as how to put feedback to use. And I'd be remiss to skip over the obvious and solicit feedback now. So what did I miss? Do I have the feedback as a gift-giving process all wrong? Or do you maybe have thoughts or tips you've developed for yourself on how to give effective feedback so to others that you want to share? I know I say it every episode, but it seems particularly relevant here to ask for any feedback you have on this episode or the show in general. So as always, I'd love to hear from you. Send me your thoughts at patrick at prgscoach.com. Now in our next episode, I'll wrap up this three-part series on the year-end process and we'll finish at the beginning with how you can craft your development plan in a way that sets you up for the next year that incorporates things like your rating from the previous year and any feedback you received. And with that, I'll sign off with a certain type of perfection can only be realized through a limitless accumulation of the imperfect. Thanks for listening in and we'll talk more in our next episode.